Hey, it's Justin Moore, host of Creator Debates. If you're celebrating that gloriously gratuitous material holiday known as Cyber Monday today, well done. My BFF, Jay Klaus, recently came to me and said, Justin, I don't really have a sponsorship strategy. And to be honest, I took that as a personal offense slash challenge, which is why I called him up, hit record, and convinced him to make giant changes to his business. Before we get started with this episode, I'm curious, are you looking to land more brand partnerships? Because I have a free weekly report that's gonna get you paid. The Creator Wizard newsletter will help you find which brands and companies are sponsoring creators, pitch more effectively, get paid more money on each partnership, and immediately get better looking and tell funnier jokes, probably. Join 30,000 creators and sign up at creatorwizard.com slash join. That's creatorwizard.com slash join. If I want to do things differently, I need to literally change the structure. That's Jay. He's a creator just like you, but like a lot of creators, I don't really have a sponsorship strategy, I would say. See, here's the problem. Most creators see sponsorships as something that happens to them. The brand reaches out and we just slot them into our ad inventory. But even if your inventory is booked out for the next few months, this approach is actually preventing you from unlocking the true revenue potential of sponsorships. And that's why I'm giving Jay some tough love in this coaching call. Do you realize how terrible of an experience that is for the sponsor? I'll be dissecting his entire business strategy so you can learn the support surprisingly simple changes that you can make today that could three to four X your sponsorship revenue within weeks. So by the end of this, you'll understand how to create bespoke solutions to a brand's problems so they pay you more, why your sponsorship mindset is crushing your top line revenue, and the existential risk to your business if you don't take sponsorships more seriously. I'm gonna give you two answers. One as Justin, the sponsorship coach, and one as your friend. All right, my name is Jay. I am probably Justin's best friend. I'm the founder of <laughs> Creator Science. <laughs> accurate, accurate. Uh, I'm the founder of Creator Science, and like Creator Wizard, I'm trying to help creators uh, get paid. I don't do as much on the sponsorship side, though, uh, in terms of educating or even within my business. I'm really focused on what I call direct revenue sources, things like information products and uh, even services royalties, memberships, things like that. Uh, and my current own revenue portfolio reflects that mostly. So last year, I guess I should say this year, this year I'm on pace for about $600,000 in total. 70% of that, 69% of that is memberships. And my second highest revenue stream is sponsorship at 13%, which is interesting because I don't really have a sponsorship strategy, I would say. It's just been kind of like an opportunity that I realized I had because of the platform that I've built. But I really looked for turnkey, low lift opportunities. And that's that's been good in some ways and challenging in other ways. And so I guess this is a good opportunity for us to talk about like, how I can turn my sponsorship part of my business into an actual strategy. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. So the current sponsorships that you have, that 13% of sponsorship income, was that like, where did that come from? Was that all inbound or was that, were those things like relationships you consciously forged or what? So the, the, the beginning of sponsorship in the business as a whole was the podcast, which was called creative elements is now called creator science. 
I launched that show with a podcast network and their model was sponsorship. And so from the beginning, we designed that show to accommodate and serve sponsors and their team would typically find and sell those sponsorships on my behalf as a revenue split. I like that model. That was nice because they came in with uh, great sponsors, sponsors like Canva and BetterHelp and Notion and Zapier. And it's like, wow, these are the brands that I would want to work with anyway. You had the relationships, you built the, the, the conversation, you did the pricing, you executed the contract, you sent me like the final, cre uh, final creative brief and then I made the thing. Pretty awesome. And so when, it, when I started to see opportunities for that elsewhere in the business, I looked for similar opportunities. So uh, the ConvertKit, Sponsor network sells my newsletter advertising and the same group, the podglomerate podglomerate who handles my podcast ads also handles my YouTube ads. So basically all of my sponsorship is managed by third party partners. And that comes at uh, a cost like a revenue split, a literal cost in that way. And also a cost of some control, right? So Basically, to me, it's like sponsorship happens. It's kind of on autopilot. It's much more classical, traditional sponsorship rather than uh, like I'm not doing custom campaigns. I'm not making content that's specific to an advertiser. It's like I'm making content. That content is sponsored by these mm -hmm, mm -hmm. these partners. And that's kind of where it stops. And I see some of the stuff you're doing with even some of the same partners, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I bet Justin's getting paid more because of this also. Uh, <laughs> maybe I should maybe I should be doing some of uh, this like custom content, but I already create so much content that it scares me mm. to commit to more of it. Mm, interesting. So a couple questions to dig into. So number one, is that how you'd prefer to proceed from here? Uh, which is like, I want a hands-off approach here. I want other people to handle this. I'll t they can take a cut, whatever. I primarily enjoy making content that I'm already going to make. And I just someone slap someone else's logo on it. This was powered by blah, 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 or like sponsored by blah, 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 versus like creating custom content. Is that your default like preference? This point has definitely been the preference because the, the constraints I'm trying to satisfy are I want to not spend much time on this part of the business because that comes from somewhere. And what I'm trying to build more than anything else is a body of work that is enduring over time that really catalogs how I think and approach things. And yeah, well, like keep working for me once it's done. And that's the content creation that I do right now. And that already takes a lot of time. It's not as if I'm walking around like, hey, I got like all this slush time that I got to figure out what to do with. So for me to introduce mm. something into the process that will require more time than it currently does, that's going to have to come from somewhere. And I don't know where that's mm -hmm. going to come from. And that's assuming that I don't augment my own capacity with like another person or something, which is perfectly possible over the next several months. I don't know. Here, here's something else I'm thinking about with sponsorship generally, if I'm totally candid. I want to do it differently. I want. I, I don't want to say I want to do it less, but right now this strategy is kind of like I get past a lot of brands, some of which I have strong affinity for, some of which I have like relative indifference to, but am not opposed to. And it ends up with like me talking about a lot of brand partners throughout the entire creator science universe. 
And um, there's also some rigidity to it, to be honest. Like, because my newsletters are sponsored on a date basis, like I send two newsletters per week, each one of those newsletters has typically a presenting sponsor who has purchased that date. I don't have a lot of fluidity in like, eh, I just don't want to send an email today. <laughs> like that kind of, that kind of sucks sometimes. And yeah, if we don't have a spot sold, then we're open to like partners that maybe I wouldn't be as open to if more of the spots were sold, you know? So part of me wants to almost reclaim sponsorship areas for my own internal products, but as the second largest revenue feature of the business right now, I don't feel like I have that freedom yet. I want to go down a couple different avenues here. The, the avenues, the first one I want to go down, down is considering diversification much more seriously over the long run. Right. And so if you're, yes, you have the bulk of your income is coming from your membership revenue and, and other courses and all that stuff right now. And yes, 13% pales in comparison to the lots of money you're making elsewhere. Um, but what happens in, you know, two, three, five years or something like that, where perhaps, hopefully this doesn't happen, but perhaps you're not able to have the 200 people in the membership that you, you're always at peak capacity all the time. Like that's a, a future or a scenario that you absolutely should consider and mitigate in your business. Um, again, hopefully that never happens, right? But you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your business and you owe it to the longevity of this big body of content that you're creating to figure out, give yourself the best long-term chances of having a robust business where you're able to feed your family and, you know, pay your bills and like all this stuff too. And so that's the big unlock that I hope I can give you about why sponsorships in particular, maybe not just sponsorships, maybe affiliate income. There's other buckets that you could potentially consider, but because sponsorships represents the second and most obvious revenue stream, in my opinion, for you and your business, that would be the reason to take it more seriously now. And not to mention the fact that like, You've, you've shared pretty candidly in content and, and other stuff about this cap that you've now reached in your community, right? And that if you want to grow your top line revenue, probably has to come either some other sort of creative tier of the membership maybe, uh, or the most obvious method, method to me to grow the top line revenue and buy the Lamborghini. I don't know if you want that, but uh, would be uh, probably paying attention to this, to this sponsorship strategy. Right. So that's number one. I want, I, what, I, before I go further, like what's your reaction to that statement? I think about diversification, diversification all the time. Like those two things are the first and second largest drivers of revenue right now. But what comes in third and what I actually wish was coming in first and want to turn into the number one revenue stream is digital products. And so again, it, I've, the story I've told myself to this point is, well, if I want digital products to be my diversifying and even leading source of revenue, then I need to be diverting as much time and attention as I can towards that area. Again, like mm. everything is everything is resource allocation, right? At this stage, mm. I feel lucky in that my business is designed in such a way where the people who are interested in my work and following me want to learn from me. And so I have a lot of opportunity for generating revenue through uh, scalable, scalable digital products of some sort. Mm -hmm. So... Let's talk about serving your community because you said, oh, I want to take back, you know, some of these ad slots that I'm, you know, just giving away to like other, you know, 
entities or whatever, I should, I should dedicate those for my own products, digital products, you know, promoting the courses, the memberships, et cetera. I would also argue that if you looked at the persona of the types of people who are on your newsletter or in your community or just in your orbit, there's lots and lots of ways and lots and lots of problems that these people have that you're never going to be able to serve them with your products. If we look audience or customer first, it actually makes more sense to figure out how can I serve this person on a whole through a combination of digital products and sponsorships, because then they're going to trust me more. They're going to look at Jay. Oh, Jay was the guy who told me about this SaaS platform that like, man, now my business is humming because I have this now and I never would have found out it about it from him. Like if, if, if you're able to encourage that type of transformation from someone, they're going to look at investing in your other products and courses and memberships way more favorably because you're going to be the guy who helped them change this one thing about their business. And so I actually think it's, it's more additive to your long-term goals of selling more digital products, selling more memberships and all this stuff to do sponsorships. This is my opinion because again, if you look at it from service first, the goal is serving them and making their lives easier and helping them figure out their problems, helping them launch their first newsletter, their course or whatever, all these things you help people with. Sponsorship should play a role in that. I agree with that. And for me to do that strategy to the highest degree that I can and feel the best with, I would need to be more proactive than reactive with my sponsorship strategy. Right now, I would say my sponsorship strategy is very reactive. That's 100% accurate. And it actually leads well into this next point I was gonna make, which is that, like, like, let me throw it back to you. Like, when a prospective brand or partner comes inbound to you and says, we wanna work with J. Klaus, we wanna work with Creator Science, it sounds like you basically say, you take them by the shoulders and you redirect them and say, go talk to that person, <laughs> right? 100%. That's the person. Yes. Yeah. This is the number one biggest opportunity for you here, which is that if you, for example, were to claw back, maybe claw back isn't the right word, but like if you were to say you reserve, like, hey, I'm, I'm doing twice a week on my newsletter. I'm going to sell through this, you know, Sunday blast, that inventory. Yeah, you can sell through, you know, for the partner who's managing it, but I'm going to reserve rights for my second blast that I go because because the, the fundamental challenge that you have is that these brands come inbound to you and they just want to partner with you like they got to figure out they're, they're trying to figure out like what are all the ways in which I get the podcast the community the newsletter like all these there's all these ways in which you could potentially serve a brand partner and you have no ability to say hey let me make a bespoke recommendation to you about the best ways in which I could serve your brand or move the needle for you. And so now you are at the whims of these independent partners, right? You've got the ConvertKit, you know, uh, sponsor network over here, which is great. You've got Poglomerate over here, but they're not talking to each other. There's no, no way in which you can create a holistic partnership. Cause, cause if you look at my business, you said, Oh, I see all these things Justin are doing like virtually everything that I'm doing is holistic. Like it's not just like, Oh, they're sponsoring the newsletter or, Oh, they're sponsoring the podcast. It's like, no, they're doing like a good example of this. As you mentioned, like, Oh, all the things I'm doing are, are like time bound. They're like, they bought this date of the newsletter, like the deals that I do. Cause I know I'm like you, like there's some times where it's like stuff comes up, I'm traveling or whatever. Right. And so I recently sold through live stream sponsorships cause I do live streams every week, but I don't pick dates. I said two a month. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to do two months. And so I get to choose basically uh, if things come up and I'm not able to do it. And so I guess that the point is, is, is twofold. Number one, there are, I believe some fairly simple structural changes that you could make to the way in which you're doing sponsorships, but also some fairly simple structural 
flexibility changes that you could make so that it doesn't feel oppressive. It doesn't feel like, oh, I'm having to devote a bunch of headspace to this now. But you are right. It's more than you're doing now. You're not, you're, it's not going to be completely hands off. But if I told you that this could make 13% jump to, you know, 30 or 40% or go from a 10K a month revenue stream to a 30K a month revenue stream, is that something you'd pursue? Uh, there's probably a yeah. number in there somewhere. Yeah, there is definitely a number in there somewhere. Well, like the, the thing that holds me up in this very, very moment is me personally, my capacity. I don't know how I'm going to do it. In the near future, though, bringing in uh, a partner into the business who's also a partner in my marriage. And that is something that could very well fall under her purview to really help us do things a little bit further. Because I have literally, there have been people who wanted a holistic, holistic campaign. They're like, hey, we want to sponsor your podcast, YouTube, newsletter. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to send you two intro emails. <laughs> <laughs> do you realize how terrible of an experience oh, that is for the I sponsor? Know. I do. I do realize it. And they didn't even quite understand it. So like they had to pay literally two invoices. Mm. How awful is that? To like go awful. to your boss That's and be terrible. like, hey, I need to I need to make <laughs> two expenses for this one thing. Yeah, it's 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 no bueno. So but it's hard because what would you do in this situation where you have two partners who are your your ads and sponsorship partners? Would you look to consolidate into one? Would you be trying to reserve rights for holistic campaigns where you are handling somebody that wants to go across all three? Would you recommend I try to handle all of it in-house? This is the thing. Like I realize I'm coming to kind of a, a head if I want yeah. to do things differently. I need to literally change the structure. Yeah. I'm going to give you two answers. One as Justin, the sponsorship coach, and one as your friend. Let, let's do the friend answer first, which is like, I get it, dude. Like, I understand you're limited with your capacity. You're also entering into this new and exciting partnership with your with your wife who's going to be helping with you with stuff. And there's going to be some period of, of adjustment there in terms of trying to figure out how to like, you know, do everything in a seamless fashion in a way that you haven't before. Right. So that that's that's I acknowledge that. Right. But Justin, the sponsorship coach is going to say, what the hell are you doing, dude? You are creating an absolutely <laughs> terrible experience for your partners and and drastically decreasing the chances of getting repeat business. The whole point of this is nurturing these relationships because because to, to some degree, I feel like maybe I'm making a false assumption, but like you're thinking like it's going to be oh, just this like huge laundry list i'm like talking about different brands all the time but like the goal here is like let's nail down a handful of like true partners who are in it for the long haul they are become a monthly sponsor of yours like the business that you've built that is an absolute reality for you i don't think this is quite as much of a lift as you're making it out to be like i i really truly think it would be a legitimate like if i if i look at the you know i'm doing sixteen thousand dollars a month on sponsorships right now with creator wizard and that is three partners yes there are logistics involved in like those different conversations and like all this stuff but like that number can you know if if i wanted to like crank up the lever a little bit more on that i could i'm just not right now because of other priorities, right? And what so, are those, what platforms are you selling sponsorships on? So so this is the this is the this is the the beautiful part about the holistic strategy. I've I've got the newsletter, right? Twice a week or three times a week. The third time is an evergreen sequence, but I'm I'm selling. I reserve the sales rights for one of those blasts. I have my podcast, I have my YouTube channel. By the way, for the podcast, I have both the audio and the video version. I got my YouTube channel. Um, I've got my private community and the intangible asset that I have, which is me. Meaning that there's lots of brands that I'm able to sell through. Hey, let me come and create some content for you. Let me let me do a webinar with you. That 
costs money that there's an investment of me coming and doing that for you. And so like, those are all, and that, you know, like if this is a simplistic version of it, but like, those are all things that I can sell. The other intangible aspect here that you are particularly well-suited to, to market is your influence. It's very hard to measure, but like being for a brand to be able to say, like, we are partnered with Jay Klaus, like we, we are advocates of his community. That is immeasurable, the worth of that, for them to be able to make posts on social media announcing that and talk about that on LinkedIn and all that stuff too. That is not a tangible asset that you're required to create for a partnership. And so I, I would suggest to you that there are a lot of partners out there who would simply get stoked about being able to align themselves with your community. And that's worth a lot because, because again, like I don't have, if you look at the, my footprint on social media, or if you look at the viewership of my average YouTube videos, I'm not getting like tens of thousands of views, dude. Right. But like a lot of these partnerships that I'm forging are like very, very healthy dollar values. And it's not because of my metrics on social media. It's because of who I am and who I represent in partnership with their brand. I'm, I'm just looking, I'm doing some numbers now because I haven't thought about this in a long time. I've always looked at sponsorship as like found revenue in the business because like my, my thought to this point has been, well, if it wasn't for these partners, I probably just wouldn't be doing it. But if I trusted myself to sell through at the same rate, I have essentially paid partners $15,000 this year for the sponsorships that I've run. The trade that I, is it is it worth $15,000 to me that I have not put the time into doing it on my own? And maybe, maybe the answer is yes. I don't feel, I don't feel like terrible about that. But as mm -hmm. I think ongoing and the opportunity cost as it grows with, you know, the audience growing and the, the sponsorship interest, it probably makes sense to bring it more in-house at some point, especially if I have mm. capacity on the team that I've already financially committed to anyway. Right. Because I think that the, the other big difference between the model that you're currently running right now and the model that you would be in control of were you to bring it in-house is that um, you are simply a, in the, in the current model, you are a line item right now. You are a commodity to some degree, right? It's like, how many views did he get on that, you know, or downloads on that podcast? How many opens on that newsletter? How many clicks on the ad, right? Like that is, that's the model, right? Contrast that with the model where you're able to, you or Mallory is able to sit down with the sponsor on a phone call and say, what is your big goal right now? Circle or notion, or like what, tell me what your, what are the, things that are coming down the pipeline for you right now, if you know, from Q4, Q1, et cetera. And they say, we're really trying to spread the word about this. And then you come back and you say, okay, here's what we heard. You told us this was important to you. This was important. To, this was important to you. Here is a bespoke proposal of all of the different aspects of the business that we want, where we want to talk about you and spread the word about Notion AI or whatever it is, right? I want to bring someone into my uh, private community and do like a webinar. I want to, you know, have, I want to interview blah, blah, blah. And we can do that on the YouTube channel. I want to buy, right? So it's like now when you provide them these four or five packages in your proposal and illustrate to them like, hey, if, if all the goals that you said you want to accomplish, the only way in which you can do that is if you go for package five, like you are going to start making so much more money on your sponsorships now because what you're proposing is aligned with their objectives. Yeah. 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 Right. Mm. So, Ooh, so it's point. not, it's, it's, it's not just about a, like a direct dollars to dollars comparison. Like it's like, okay, yeah, I have to do all this work to make the same amount of money that I'm currently making. Like I would, I would 
suggest that yes, you have to expend effort, but you're going to be starting to make three, four, five X on sponsorships. What you do when you bring it in house, like mm. guaranteed dude, like mm. I, I'm not even joking because you're a smart guy. And so like, yeah, you're looking I'm at a the 15K guy. now. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, you're you're looking at you're just looking at the 15K now. Like, oh, is that yeah. worth it? Like, what if I said, like, you bring that in house, dude? That that 15K turns into 75K, yeah, like yeah, uh, of right. of uh, incremental revenue. Okay, okay, you're convincing me. You're convincing me because I'll be honest. I came to this call and I was kind of a sponsorship skeptic. I was not. It was not a big part of the strategy, and I I feel sometimes more of a negative relationship to it as part of my portfolio than a positive part of it. Something I think about a lot though. I really like the affiliate model as well because I feel like it aligns incentives and risk very well. Tell me how you feel about this. On the surface, affiliates and sponsorships feel very similar, except in a sponsorship world, more of the upfront risk is on the part of the partner. In an affiliate world, more of the upfront risk is on the part of the creator. But I feel like ultimately, if an affiliate relationship or an affiliate deal goes bad, like nobody feels wronged. Whereas in a sponsorship relationship, if I don't, really deliver, it feels like the relationship can sour pretty quickly. How do you think about that? A couple things. Number one, there is a third compensation model that is very much value aligned, which is the hybrid model, particularly well suited for someone in your situation, because you do have an intimate sense of your numbers and you have a large track record of, of recommending partners and all that stuff would be there'd be some sort of base compensation plus a kicker on the back end. I think what you're like missing here is that there is a non-trivial amount of effort required from you to make a recommendation make a referral, have sure. a testimonial about a particular yeah. brand. And so that content creation or that, and you're also trivializing your influence, which is valuable. Yeah. You saying, hey, go check this out. This is an affiliate link, but like you are indirectly putting your stamp of approval on this brand. And like you are passing that off. You're, you're, you're giving that to the brand for $0, which is you're not capturing that. And, and I mean, this is kind of an interesting way to look at it, but that that's something you should capture. I think there's very much a, a value aligned model where you say, hey, you know, as part of this deal, it's going to be 5K plus 25% of, you know, en enrollments or recurring c commissions or whatever it is. And, and you could play with those numbers too, by the way, if they're only used to doing affiliates, you say, yeah, you pay your affiliates 50% or 25% or whatever it is. Like I'm fine doing a 15% ongoing affiliate deal, but there's got to be some sort of, you know, flat upfront compensation to capture the effort required to actually get this partnership off the ground. Second thing is that you mentioned this idea about like a relationship getting soured if if uh, the sponsorship doesn't go so well. In almost all situations, dude, this is all in your head. Like unless the brand is coming out and being like, you suck. This partnership <laughs> sucked. Like we're really mad, which they'll almost never do. The version of it where, when it doesn't go so well is like, well, it didn't perform relative to our expectations. Like we were hoping it was going to be this. And what I like to say in that situation is, in though you're either going to win or learn. Either they're going to say it went awesome, totally surpassed our expectations. And then that's your opening to be like, okay, let me pitch an ongoing deal with you, right? That's number one. Or they're going to say that they're going to say, ah, oh, it was like, it was kind of like this. It was like, you didn't know you, you were worried. You were worried that they weren't going to come out. Right. The um, the, the, the sound effect you, you were worried. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, you know, in that scenario, you say, oh, that's so interesting. Right. I know you, you're objective. You won't take that personally. You'll be like, okay, yeah, uh, I understand that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Let me go back and give some thought as to why I believe that it didn't go so well. You go and you look at the comments on the, you know, or listener feedback and DMs you may have gotten. You say, you know, after I've analyzed this, here's a couple 
uh, I got these emails, these objections about the tool or about the product from these people. This seemed to be a common theme. You know what? I actually think that should be the next content piece of content that we create together to kind of overcome that objection. I really think this fear that you have around sponsorships being not aligned and like the potential for the relationship to sour if it doesn't go well, is just business, dude. And it's a matter of like, setting proper expectations with the partner and, and just continuing to illustrate to them that like, regardless of what happens, you are invested for the long run. And if it doesn't go so well, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to make it right. This is a lot of what I talk about in my brand deal wizard program is like, yeah, if it doesn't go so well, like let's figure out what we can do to make people feel good about this whole thing. Maybe it's an extra out, out you know, added value post that you make in your community or on your newsletter or something. Maybe it's like a webinar you do in partnership with them, whatever. What can you do? You're, Cause you have integrity, right? You want, you want to ensure that that, that happens. And so I bet you anything, if that ever were to transpire and you, there ever was a brand that sponsored you that, came to you with a piece of not so hot feedback, you would find a way to make it, make it, you know, um, you know, work out. Right. And so I think that that's not a good enough excuse to not do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're talking a lot of sense. I like, I like the hybrid model a lot. That feels good to me. I mean, like, like you identified earlier, it kills me that sometimes the experience of working with me because of the structure is not good. Like I have always prided myself on being the easiest and best partner to work with. Like, makes me so happy to just be easy to work with <laughs> and the fact that like this aspect is just kind of not just sucks <laughs> mm, yeah. and it's not even like it's not that my partners aren't doing a great job it's yeah. the fact that i cannot be holistic and yes. tie these things together because like i i have a great holistic platform and opportunity i have the email i have video i have audio there's, there's a lot I could do with that. Um, how much do you do with uh, your social platforms as part of your holistic social or sponsor strategy? Yeah, I mean, uh, I include them. Like they're always in, you know, different packages and all that stuff too. What I have found is that you and I are in a kind of a very unique position because we're kind of like meta creators, right? We're like serving other creators. Our audience is our creators, right? Is that oftentimes the types of partners, types of companies that want to work with me or work with you, they also need content, right? They also need like stuff to repurpose and run advertising with and stuff. And so a lot of times what I'm digging into on some of these, you know, discovery calls is like, what's your current con content strategy brand? creator economy startup x are you using content are you running paid advertising because like there's lots of ways in which i could just sit out boom knock out you know 10 short form assets send those over i don't even post them and they send those you know send those over to the brand and they run paid advertising with that from their handle and when people see that in their feed they're like oh that's justin from creator wizard right so there's there's so much value in yeah. being able to sell my name and likeness and my yeah. influence similar for you there's these finite assets like like fixed project assets that you can offer as part of these holistic sponsorship proposals that do not require an ongoing lift from you. Here's another objection for you to overcome. If I were to take this in-house and uh, handle all my sponsorship, what am I laying out in terms of legal costs to do good paperwork? The first a tip that I always give to people bringing this in-house is to hire a good lawyer and have them make a boilerplate sponsorship contract template for you, where the only thing that you edit is the appendix, which includes the deliverables, 
the usage rights, the exclusivity, the statement of work, basically. And so every other thing is kind of boilerplate to some degree. In fact, they actually have some templates out there that you can purchase on the internet and stuff. But I always make the recommendation, like hire someone, it's fine. It'll be in a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks, whatever it's worth it to just like have a contract template. And then, so that those are the, in, the, in the scenarios where the brand doesn't have a contract to send you and they just want to do a handshake agreement, right? There's also, you know, maybe 50, 60% of the time it's going to be the, the contract that they want you to sign, right? And so you have to go through it and like all this stuff too. And so, yeah, like it's going to be, you know, you're going to pay a lawyer a couple hundred bucks, you know, an hour. But dude, for the deal sizes that you're going to be working on, this is trivial money. Like don't even worry about the, yeah. the legal costs or the administrative costs related to the paperwork. Do you trust yourself to run through the contracts that you get from brands? So I do now because I've I've done it over a thousand times. Personally, I've done 550, I just invoice number 550 sponsorship for my own business. And I've done thousands through the agency. So I do it myself now. But um, if you don't feel comfortable, like the one thing I, I have like this uh, checklist in my course, again, I always say I'm not a lawyer, like don't, you know, treat this as legal advice. Um, but I have this like template where there's like, there's basically like 12 things <laughs> that you need to look for in a contract, right? It's very simple. It's like the deliverables, like I mentioned, the usage rights, the exclusivity, is there going to be, you know, in limitation of liability, uh, you know, reps and warranties, like it's like, a, it's, it's, it's not complicated. Like pretty much every contract you're going to see, there's like kind of gotchas or like things, you, you know, control F for the word per per perpetuity or perpetual, make sure that they don't own anything forever. You know, these types of like things that you learn a lot along the way that you need to be careful of. But uh, again, the deal size that you're going to do, dude, stop worrying about this. Like just hire a lawyer. It's not, it's going to pay for itself. And which course are you talking about that's inside of? Well, that's the brand deal wizard course, Jay. And if you're curious, you can click the link in the description box. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. That's exactly what I was wondering though. I was like, what are the sneaky risky things that people put into contracts, which maybe isn't even like malicious, but just like part of what legal says should be in there mm -hmm. that you, that flags something in your mind. You, you mentioned a couple of things there, like look for perpetual, uh, agreements, um, that's the type of thing where I, if I don't know of them, that's what scares me about trusting myself with a contract where it's like, oh, hold on, you signed mm -hmm. this and this is what this says. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Brand new wizard. That's where it's at. You know, you know why I really like this conversation so much because I, I live in this world of sponsor, I talk about sponsorships all the time and making kind of tweets and comments and all this stuff. And I, I have this like assumption that like, yeah, everyone wants sponsorships. Like that this is a great, great thing, right? But it's so useful and interesting to me uh, to talk with you because this is, ac I think you're actually the majority of people. <laughs> the majority <laughs> of people are just like, nah, <laughs> like, I'm like very I prefer, special. yeah, <laughs> you're just, you, you, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no one is like you, Jay, no one at all. No, but for real, dude, like I think that especially, so I look at this, we've talked about this before, but like the difference between social media creators and owned platform creators like the uh -huh, owned yep. platform creators have a um, um natural gravitation to like digital products courses coaching etc and then like social platforms like the primary way in which you know entertainment based a lot of those types of creators is like sponsorships adsense like that type of idea right and so a lot of the folks that I, uh, I just have this assumption that like most people are like, oh yeah, sponsorships, I want to make more money on sponsorships, but you, here you are, it's, and it makes sense, right? You're looking at all the ways in which, various ways in which you're making money and you're like, you know what? If I like spent, you know, five hours like optimizing my email sequence, I could probably make more money off of like my digital products or like, that seems like a more obvious investment to like drive top line revenue. And so it's just really fascinating 
to just kind of hear some of the objections yeah. you're talking about and all that stuff too. Uh, a call to action to check out a sponsor is a call to action. That is, there's an opportunity cost for a call to action to something else that is within my ecosystem. That's just for me that I get even full data on how did that call to action perform? And yeah, so I, I have just been thinking like, if I am telling sponsors that this placement is valuable and you can expect this type of value from it, I should be able to tell myself the same thing. And if that is true also, which one is more valuable to me? Uh, and I don't have the answer to that, but uh, it does feel like there's an opportunity at least within the things that have like very explicit, very programmed, this is where a sponsor thing is going. But there's there's a third door. There's a lot of third doors you've introduced me to here, but there's a third door where even if I did start using more of my quote unquote sponsored inventory for my own products, it doesn't mean that I can't do holistic sponsorship campaigns outside of that, which may not be detracting from my own revenue sources. Mm -hmm. 100%. And I want to challenge you on something too, which was like, if someone's clicking on someone's, uh, you know, a sponsor's link, that's, that's a, a click that I took away from myself and my own business. And that is a scarcity mindset, bro. Like there is unlimited amounts of money in this world. And just because they go and buy something from a sponsor doesn't mean they're not also going to sign up for your membership. And yes, you're right. There is, it's more opaque in terms of the performance. Like you're not all, always going to get data back from the, the advertiser or the sponsor of like, oh, how'd that perform? How many sales did I drive? All this stuff too. But one of the other things you'll learn from me in my brand deal wizard program is mm -hmm. that you... <laughs> You, uh, this is just becoming a shill fest and I'm totally cool with it. Um, is, uh, the, um, the, the other really important thing is that you have to force this. You have to ask them. Uh -huh. You have to say, Hey, yeah. I need to look to be able to make sure that I'm adequately performing properly to your expectations. Please share data with me. And if you were not going to share it with me, I'm going to share a bunch with you. I've got qualitative comments. I've got objections here. I've got, yes, I've got some limited click data. I've got stuff and I want you, please let's make this kind of a mutual sharing experience. And yeah, you may not have been accustomed to doing that with past partners, but I'm not your, I'm a unique snowflake. Remember that's what you are, Jake, uh, <laughs> uh, Jay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to force the issue. I need the data to be able to make this, ensure this partnership goes well. All right. I have one last question for you, Justin. When you look at me and my platform, because I feel like probably you have a better sense for my whole business here than you might have with a typical coaching client that comes in. Where do you look at my business and like just see opportunity that I'm leaving on the table if we haven't covered mm -hmm. it already? Yeah. The first and obvious one to me is the holistic thing, right? Like that's the, that's the low hanging fruit being, being able to do your own sales or at least clawing back certain portions of it to run your own sales with that's number one. The biggest opportunity for me, if I look at your business is to stop looking at what you, the areas for sponsors to insert themselves as inventory. That's never been the way in which I've looked at my business. And I really believe it. it's challenging to build a robust sponsorship business. If you look at it as inventory, you should just get just as excited about a sponsor coming to you and yeah, you may have all your slots filled or whatever, but you get really creative about, okay, I'm just going to like do a dedicated email blast as part of this partnership um, because it makes sense. And I can do like, I'll, 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 I can say it. I had, okay. I don't, even though I don't look at it as inventory, uh, I had all my, I have all my inventory filled through, <laughs> through like end of September um, or end of October or whatever now. And circle came to me and they were like, we want to partner. This is amazing. We want you to speak at our summit. We want to do all these different things. Right. And I was like, 
you know, I didn't say this to them and they don't care, obviously, but like uh, decided that I was going to be doing some dedicated email blasts talking about my community. And I, in fact, it just went, went out yesterday. So, um, yeah. And so I, you know, could have been like, sorry, I don't have any inventory or in your scenario that your partner would have told them that. Um, and I said, you know what, I'm going to invent something. Here, here's another example. I was on uh, a partnership call with Fiverr. Okay. Which is, you know, they, you know, the Fiverr, you can hire freelancers and graphic artists and all this stuff. And, um, they kept saying over and over about how, yeah, you know, we've been working with newsletters, creator newsletters recently, and it's been going okay. But you know, the one thing about newsletters is that once they go out, they just kind of feel like they disappear into the ether. It's just like, they're gone. Right. They kept saying this over and over. And I just kept, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just kept, I wrote it down. Interesting. They keep, they seem fixated on this, on this point. So then I said at the end of the call, this is super interesting. I'm going to get back to you with a proposal. Right. And so, um, as I'm like working on the proposal, I'm like, you know what I think they would get really stoked about is having a, a permanent featured place, or at least permanent during the partnership place on my website, announcing and talking about this partnership that I have with Fiverr. And so, you know what I did? I literally created a new section of my website called partners. And I, cre I mocked up the page. I put their logo. I put the, you know, talking points from the program that they wanted to, to highlight and I password protected it. And I sent it to him in the proposal. And I said, Hey, I heard that this was like a thing for you, that this permanency issue, guess what? I now have this new area of my brand where I'm featuring you and your program. And they said, where do we sign? And so I think it's less of like a tactically like, oh, you should be on this platform or, oh, you should be on over doing this over here. It's more about a mindset flexibility to invent things that can move the needle for both your audience as well as the brand. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Dude, thank you. Yeah. Opening my eyes. Dude, you're welcome, man. Dude, I mean, I wish I had some like expl I think explosion sound effect. That's the one I don't have, like a mind blown. Yeah, just like, poof. although it's, I don't know. I don't know if that would work out so well, but let's, how about we just, you know, let's do some round of applause. Let's round it out, round it out we with a it. nice round of applause. We did it. Um, no, but this, this was great, man. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, I think we should both do some calls to action, maybe. Like, uh, give us, give us a, a little bit, like, where can people find you if they want to learn more about uh, the J? Well, if you like audio, check out the Creator Science Podcast. If you like email, check out the Creator Science Newsletter. You can find all of that at creatorscience.com. Boom. And uh, if you're not on my newsletter yet, what the heck is wrong with you? I send you paid sponsorship opportunities every single week for free. Just go to creatorwizard.com slash join. Hey, you're, uh, you're still here. Well, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. I got a really small ask, would you rate this podcast wherever you're currently listening to it? A friend of a friend told me that positive ratings are the number one way to help get your podcast in front of new listeners. So will you do me a solid rate it? And then, you know what, actually screenshot the rating, DM it to me at creator wizard. And in return, I will, you know what, I'm going to sing you a song of your choosing deal. I, and I used to be in a metal band and I'm classically trained in opera. So you're probably going to want to rate the podcast. Thanks again.